It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy, and it's about people. It's about. It's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept: uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force. That sort of controls our destiny,、uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence, great taste, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang bang and people fall over and are dead, but you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Hello, welcome back to Generation Skywalker and continuation of Attack of the Clones Anniversary Month, and tonight we are looking. At the art of Attack of the Clones, and joining me tonight is Craig Spivey. Good evening, Craig. Good evening. And Jez. Good evening, Jez. Good evening. So we're a little little three man band tonight. Anyone who's joining this show for the first time, we are doing an Attack of the Clones anniversary month. It's twenty years this month. There has been two or three shows previous to this. Go back, get involved, and give us your opinions on Attack of the Clones and everything we discuss. So the art of Attack of the Clones, Jez. I'm going to come over to you. What have we got coming up on this show, mate? I'm so glad you you've decided to do this, and I'm so glad that you've asked me to join because it's been a real treat actually looking at this. And and as we've gone through Attack of the Clones, I've enjoyed it more and more and more. And and you know what we're uncovering and remembering and and some of the nostalgia. So key things tonight, I think, are just looking back at. Some of the good times, some of the really good times, some of the nostalgia, some of the marketing. We'll be asking ourselves: Was this a good idea? Was this clever marketing, or was that a bit of an own goal?、Uh, and more on own goals and football later on, I suppose. And I'm not sure whether or not you'll be aware of that bit. So there's going to be some tidbits. There's going to be some surprises. We're going to be looking at the key marketing campaign which came out of Lucasfilm, and then we'll be going through some sort of fan art. Uh, and other commissions, which you'll see at Star Wars Celebration show, and、uh, and who knows what treats will be in store. So, mate, thanks so much for putting this together. I'm really looking forward to、uh, what we're going to cover in the next hour or so. Hour or so. I've heard you boys talk. I think it might go on. <laughs> yeah, all right then. Let's say two hours. <laughs> It'll be a great show. Looking forward to it. But, boys, before we get started, then I know both of you found an article on the Wall Street Journal, which gave us some fascinating insights. Who's going to、uh, take us through that? Yeah, well, I've, I've got it here. 
And as you say, it's from the Wall Street Journal. It's dated May the 14th, 2002. And it's a reporter by the name of John Lippman talking to Jim Ward, who was the vice president of marketing at, at Lucasfilm. And it's headed, the newest Star Wars film tries quiet, steady marketing. It, it does give us a bit of interesting context about what we're about to discuss, really, when it comes to sort of how the film was promoted. So I'm going to read a couple of chunks out, if you bear with me. So he says, nevertheless, for episode two, Lucasfilm wanted to be very focused on a specific audience, namely kids and core Star Wars junkies. Lucasfilm is also targeting teenage girls and women because of the movie's romance theme, audiences not normally associated with Star Wars. So Lucasfilm enlisted only two major promotional partners, General Mills for cereals, fruit snacks and Go-Gurt product and PepsiCo's Frito-Lay for salty snacks. The best way to focus on kids is with that cereal box sitting on the kitchen table and that bag of potato chips sitting on the shelf, explains the Lucasfilm marketing executive. Core fans can be reached through the internet and the Star Wars convention circuit. Women and teenage girls are targeted by TV advertising and traditional media. Of all of Hollywood's event and franchise movies this summer, episode two is estimated by outsiders to be spending under 25 million in advertising, less than it normally would to be spending on such a movie. And that's by design. Awareness isn't our problem with this film, says Jim Ward, vice president of marketing. Therefore, a tonnage strategy isn't necessarily the right thing to do. It's a pullback for Lucasfilm, which marketed the previous Star Wars movie, episode one, The Phantom Menace, much more aggressively. Phantom Menace, although it hit 431 million at the US box office and was an unqualified commercial success, left many of George Lucas's fans cold. There were also many Phantom Menace products left unsold on retailer shelves, in part because of the glut of tie-in products. Lucasfilm is banking on the notion that its Star Wars franchise is so thoroughly seeped into the culture that it can get away with a more passive marketing effort. So it's a good article. We'll uh, we'll put some of it on the enhanced so you can read it in full. But I think what it tells us is that they were doing a lot less so that the posters and the visual marketing that we're about to discuss, there was a lot riding on it. And also the tone of it, if you consider how some of this was trying to appeal to women and teenage girls, very different to how we've seen Star Wars films marketed in the past. The article which you read from, is that the one where if director George Lucas was to name the marketing strategy for Star Wars Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, he might dub it The Empire Lays Back. Is that the same one? It is the same one, yeah. What do you know about Jar Jar's Great Adventure? Are you familiar with that? This was the working title right. of the movie, which was a bit of a swipe at the critics, wasn't it? Or the, the fans, right, yeah. Had a, yeah. So, uh, Mr. Best, who is the voice actor of Jar Jar, said that yeah, it was the working title initially, Jar Jar's Great Adventure. It was pretty much a middle finger to the whole "everyone hates Jar Jar" thing. So, so what you've got? Certain aspects of Episode One we don't like. Okay, rather than sort of recognise that, what we're going to do is put the middle finger up and antagonise people. We're also going to go marketing a completely different way now. And uh, and we're going to try and focus in this area and we're going to hold back over here. Alarm bells ringing slightly in, in my mind, but I'm not a marketing director uh, with a budget of $25 million. But there were some aspects, and we'll come on to this, of the marketing strategy, which are actually quite clever. And, um, uh, and we'll, we'll come on to later on because as part of this journey, I looked at that and thought, very good. Let's get into it then, because there is a lot to discuss tonight. 
with this, and we'll probably only scrape the top level of it. But the teaser for me for the Phantom Menace is one of the most iconic images that came out of the prequels. That that young, innocent looking lad with Vader's shadow up that that rock face. I mean, it was brilliant. I, I had it on my bedroom wall. I've still got it. I think I've now got it probably three or four times in different you know formats. Such a good image. So, Jez, we then have the teaser for Attack of the Clones. Did it have that same kind of impact and punch as that? For me, it really didn't. So this was a concept created by the art director Greg Bell and the copywriter Paul Venables. And now what we had here was side profile of Anakin Skywalker and Padme. Anakin with a lit lightsaber. Um, so they've got their backs to each other. And Anakin is looking serious but this is a theme in all of the posters not looking like someone who's necessarily in love or he's not looking uh, like someone who's having a good day he's just very very serious Uh, and Padme is looking sad you could almost take it in uh, Return of a Jedi when Luke says to Leia you know have you got any memories of your mother do you remember your mother your real mother just a little bit she died when I was very young what do you remember? Just images, really. Feelings. Tell me. She was very beautiful. Kind, but sad. Why are you asking me this? She's looking down, she's looking forlorn. In fact, she has her hairstyle, uh, which it, it got buns a little bit, associated with, uh, with Carrie Fisher's character. So... These two are there with their back to each other and there's a sort of red hue over them but it's the text, it's the text which we've got with this which which is on the poster itself A Jedi shall not know anger nor hatred nor love but I tell you what you've got to get pretty close to that poster to see that it's what we're looking at here this is the first time we've seen Hayden Christensen is this character. So it's not an iconic straight away as soon as you see it, right, that's future Darth Vader. You know, we're, we're not looking at someone, we're not looking at Spider-Man or someone who's instantly recognisable. We're looking at a character who we don't know. However, there's this lit thing coming up, which almost, yeah, I'm pretty convinced that's a lightsaber. Might not be. Um, and then we've got, yeah, that lady who I recognise from Star Wars Episode 1. Uh, she looks a bit different there. But I've got to get really, really close to see the text. As far as teasers go, I'd walk past that. From a marketing point of view, yeah, you want people, as they've just seen their latest Bond film or or indie or what have you, and they're just leaving the cinema, that's where they want to see these teasers. You know, that's where they want to see it. So this came out on November the 16th, 2001, in US theatres. And as I said, it was the first look. It didn't really... Flick switch for me. Not starting off on a positive there, fellas. Master Kenobi, you disappoint me. Yoda holds you in such high esteem. Surely you can do better. Like Stuart says, it, it was a tough act to follow, that, that episode one teaser. And it doesn't attempt to use that very clever visual. They tried to do it again with Revenge of the Sith, less successfully. But there's not a huge visual concept behind this poster. You know, you just mentioned Anakin, I guess. 
other things you can decode from that. It's side profile. So you can see he's got the same Padawan haircut that Obi-Wan had in the first film. You can see the, the ponytail and the braid. So I guess it's got that going for it. But he's in his peasant disguise. It's not giving any Jedi-ness away. And, and Padme's in the dress she wore in the, the picnic scene. To me, it feels very spiritually connected to the tone poems that they did for episode one. So those, I think there were TV spots. They might have made some print executions, but they were used with specific characters and a few words that kind of enigmatically portrayed their point of view and their their motivations as, as different characters in the film. So they, it feels very much like that, like it's part of that, that kind of concept. There are things I cannot do. I cannot watch while people suffer. I cannot sit when something must be done. I cannot judge those who are different. There are things I cannot do. Run, hide, ignore. There are things I cannot do, but there are certainly things I will do. But it's not. It's not brilliant. It's not a great teaser. It's quite subtle, I think, in its in its execution, in its presence. Like you say, it's not hitting anyone between the eyes. It's obviously focusing on the love story, and we've established that that was going to be a main thread of the uh, of the marketing. So I guess it follows that thinking. But I don't imagine it's anyone's favourite Star Wars poster. Okay, interesting. Well, what are your thoughts, those two? I mean, it doesn't punch to me like that. Obviously. The Forbidden Love's pretty pretty highlighted. They're back to back, but yeah, you're right. It just it's just a bit meh, isn't it? It doesn't excite you. But then when we covered the trailers, the the love trailer. I mean, you boys loved it, but for me, it was a bit meh as well. I know that from a teaser, we want it to be simple, don't we? You want simplicity, and it was a hard act to follow with that first one, which was very bright. It was daylight, and you know the the use of the shadow was very clever. You know, we're going to come on to Drew Struzan, but of his entire sort of catalogue, he did The Thing. And that is a fairly simple poster. So, you know, Drew didn't need to be an artist who would go into lots of detail, lots of characters, action, all sorts of stuff, telling his his version of that story, his appreciation of that story. The Thing is just a guy in a big parka <laughs> with a lot of light coming out of the face. And that's The Thing, iconic poster. I, I am sure that if they wanted to, they could have come up with something better. This whole hanging your hat on the love element, it just didn't say Star Wars. Okay, Craig, you're a designer. If you'd come into a meeting, what would you instantly think of as a teaser for Attack of the Clones having watched the movie? <laughs> Other than that. Well, I mean, their, their brief was this love story, wasn't it? And anyone who's been paying attention knows that that character on that poster is going to turn into Darth Vader. So I think that's intriguing, this idea that this doomed love is going to go down that direction. So it's already imbued with a bit of lore, and it's probably relying on that, to be fair. What would I tease for Attack of the Clones? Well, there's no clones in it, is there? (laughs) No. It's very clear to me that this campaign had a direction, and it almost, as we discussed these, course corrects a little bit. So this post that we're going to talk about next, they're dialing up that romance and that ennui of these doomed lovers. Are there better ways to portray it? Would you explore something that used that beautiful foreshadowing of the Phantom Menace poster? Yeah, you probably would, and they probably did. This is very safe in some respects. The design of it is not that interesting. 
it's uh, of its time. The Photoshop work is, is a little bit naive, and we'll talk about that a bit more with some of the other work. I see how it got signed off against the brief that we know it was done against. And that's kind of why I was keen to read some of those bits of the article out at the start, because it, it does really alter how I viewed these, just knowing that information. Yeah, I get that. Do you think, looking at that teaser and squinting your eyes slightly, you could be looking at those two through Vader's eyes? Or not? Am I, is my imagination going too far with me? Because it's dark at the bottom and dark at the top and sort of dark in the middle slightly, it could almost be, you know, Anakin's his left eye, Padme's his right eye, and this is looking at the future, or this is looking through Darth Vader's eyes. Or maybe I just need to lie down. I think it's just rubbish glows in Photoshop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Well, on that, let's move on to the movie posters, the things that get people in the cinemas. I mean, Star Wars is quite fortunate. It doesn't have to, to do that for quite a big part of their audience. Two posters I wanted you boys to look at, and that is the release for the US and, of course, the British quad. Now, first of all, Craig, why is ours a quad? Why do we do that in this country? Because our poster frames are set up differently to those in America. They're just traditionally landscape formats. I guess they echo the the format of cinema itself a little bit more. I I think we're probably a little bit biased because all of our emotional resonance with these things are formed in the queues at cinemas in our youth. But, you know, I've, I've got a soft spot for quads. I think from a design point of view, they, they do give you a nice clean area for text. If you compare these two side by side, you've not got a lot of small print kind of mushing into the image. It's all neatly over to one side. It tends to be how a US one sheet is translated to a quad. It'll be the main image will be over on one side and everything else on the other. Wonderful. Right, before we get into then the design of the poster, the artist Drew Struzan, you've both already mentioned him in the introduction and talking about the teaser. What can you tell me about Drew Struzan, his connection to Star Wars and his other work? Do you know what? I found this video and, and rather than me talk right now, I think we just need to listen to a couple of little uh, one-liners from a variety of people on how massive how influential Drew Struzan is. There is one artist for every couple of decades that encapsulates what film experience was for a couple of generations. And I think for my generation and the generation right before me, Drew Struzan was the movies. There's images that Drew has drawn that are burned in my brain forever. They'll never go away. His posters are modern day classics. That's not an opinion, it's a statement of fact. It's not just an ad, you know, it's the first notes of the piece. It's the beginning of the story. His artistic interpretation of what that story is in one image really made you want to run out and see that movie. He is a storyteller, and that's what makes him very, very unique and ranks him with the great poster artists of all time. And when you're talking about the best of the best, you've got Drew sitting right up there with those guys. He's one of the first artists who's become a pop star, a rock star. Myself and my other artist friends, we would just drool over his stuff. And he just got your attention. It's like, wow, I want to go to that place. I want to be there. I want to be in that light. I want to be whatever makes you look like that. I want that shit around me. You anticipate uh, the new poster from Drew. Almost anybody who's anybody in the film business wants him to do posters for them. He's been such a benefit and such a kind of second sight to a lot of my films. Everyone, everyone, arguably worldwide, knows his work. They may not know his name, but everyone's seen his movie posters. 
He did the Back to the Future series. You know, Drew did Goonies for me. He did Hook. He did Batteries Not Included. You know, Drew really, you know, came along for the long ride of the Amblin years and just made a tremendous contribution. He does just a great, great job of bringing out the best in whatever it is that he's painting. I had to almost live up to the art that we later were going to ask Drew to, 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 to create for, for the poster. He will inevitably influence every artist that comes afterward. I'm a big fan of Drew Struzan. It's beautiful work. It's just great work, and there's only one. He's one of a kind. Nobody else is Drew Struzan, I promise you. There is nobody else like him. He's the best. He's a legend. He's an original. He's amazing. He's part of the movie experience. Yeah, having a Drew Struzan do your poster is almost worth making movies just for that. Drew Struzan is part of our growing up. He is our generational poster designer. And it was Drew who came back again and did episode two, Attack of the Clones, primary poster. Yes, yeah, so some great quotes there. And a lot of them taken from a great documentary called Drew, the man behind the poster, which is probably still kicking around on your skybox. And I think you could probably watch it on YouTube, but really, really worth watching. And you just get an impression of the guy and how humble he is. But there are insights into his his work and his technique. You know, he's, he works very traditionally with mixed media. His work has got so much life behind it. So if you if you do have the opportunity to check that out, please do. When he did the Attack of the Clones poster, he wasn't new to Star Wars by any stretch of the imagination. He'd done the three special edition posters that were all designed to stem from a single vanishing point. So the Empire Strikes Back had the vanishing point, the other two radiated out from it. It was a great piece of work. And he'd obviously done the the main uh, B poster for The Phantom Menace. But if you've been listening along to Generation Skywalker for a couple of years... You'll remember him uh, from our knockout competition when we looked at lots of the book covers from the Legends era. So he was responsible for a, a number of really, really cool book covers that appeared on on Star Wars spin-off novels. Okay, so clearly a, a wonderful, wonderful artist. So, Craig, take me through these two posters. Okay, so not unlike the teaser poster the romance is dialed right up as you've got uh, Anakin and Padme not in an embrace. She's sort of kind of nestled in his, in his shoulder, looking very much in love as the main dominant image. You've got Obi-Wan there who we've establishing as a hero of the piece. We've got Django Fett who everybody knew Boba at this point, but they'd not met Django. So we've got that Mandalorian armor there quite big and central uh, and you've got Mace Windu, a smaller, and the droids, and an action scene with Yoda uh, looking over the the explosions of what is effectively the attack of the clones. Type-wise, and this is interesting, Episode Two is the biggest type on the on the poster. You know, they'd marketed the Phantom Menace very much as Episode One, and it's interesting to see Episode Two this big because I think by this point I was certainly calling it Attack of the Clones and less Episode Two. I don't know if anyone else had the same view at the time. It just that that seemed to be very secondary. We kind of knew where we were in this in the uh, in the sequence at this point, but maybe that's for, that's for new people. I don't know. Now you've pointed that out. I can't unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely right. Star Wars is tardy. Attack of the Clones tardy. Episode two. Really? Yeah. Cheers for that. Just to add to your description, which I think you know you've covered it brilliantly. There's, there's you know huge dollops of lens flare chucked in there as well but i'm also getting slightly behind that with the lens flare a sort of binary sunset behind uh the two lovers 
Um, that's my interpretation of it coming out. But I I really like it, actually. This ticks the box for me. I, I, I like this. I don't know what others think and we'll come on to it. But actually, I think the way in which this has been put together, it's, um, yeah, happy with this. Happy jazz on this poster. Yeah, I like it too. The only thing I would say, Django's very, very prominent, isn't he? I know Anakin and Padme are your main two on the poster, but then Django is your third big focal point on there. Do you think they were just trying to appeal to the masses because of Boba Fett? Yeah, absolutely. Just very much like they still do that now. You know, we've spoken about this with regards to um, Phasma. Disney do this. They've done this with Phasma, you know, putting a lot of emphasis on, on new characters, you know, from a secondary antagonist point of view in, in the movie. And we'll come on to more of that in a minute. But yeah, it, it's exciting. It is something new. And maybe it was deliberate because they thought, right, the teaser and the teaser still going to be kicking around. We don't need to double down on what's been shown in the teaser. Let's bring something new into this. He just provides that connective tissue, doesn't he, to the to the old trilogy. And that's clearly why they've used it. It's technically superb. And I would go out on a limb and say it's probably the best of his three prequel posters. If you compare them to the uh, to the episode one and the Revenge of the Sith. I just think the composition just works really nicely. It is striking, isn't it? You have done well. Where, where's Dooku? I mean, a big player in yeah. episode two, the, the fight with Yoda. He is missing. When asked why Struzan did not include Count Dooku in this poster, Struzan's response was, originally I had designed the poster with him in it, and George decided not to include him in the finished design. Perhaps you'll understand better when episode three comes out. George has his reasons. So that was all that we uh, were given initially from an interview way back when. However, either of you heard about the Dr. Shivago poster requirement? No, go on. Okay, so if you were to look up Dr. Shivago poster, apparently George wanted the poster to look very much like that. So asked for Dooku to be removed, so it was more in keeping with the uh, Dr. Shivago poster. And when I actually look at that poster, then you look at the main sort of protagonists, and you're thinking, right, yeah, there's someone there, there's someone there, right, yeah. Uh, okay, from a balance point of view, it's very similar to this Dr. Shivago poster, uh, which was a movie which came out in 1965, a historical romance film. Very interesting. Completely, yeah. The Empire One was gone with the wind, and this is yeah. Dr. Shivago. You can see the influence very clearly there. Dr. Shivago. By all accounts, George liked that, so uh, wanted to influence the great Drew. I mean, you've got to have some kahunas on you, haven't you? You hire someone like Drew Stusen. And then you give him a pointer. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, just remove that. What this piece of work is, it's it's a poster for a sweeping epic. Yeah. And it and it balances romance with action. And they and they both do that. You look at the Doctor Shivago with the, the charging uh, army there, and you've got the advancing army of the clones on the on Drew Struzan's piece as well. So there's a direct correlation. And also, Dooku was a complicated character. And I think, you know, one of the things George could come up with is, you know, well, I wanted to remove Dooku so there was the element of surprise. You don't want a poster to be a spoiler. You know, is Dooku going to have a lightsaber? What colour is it going to be? You know, what's he going to have? So, yeah, there is some Drew Struzan artwork out there, which was the original. And there's some Drew Struzan um, images still readily available, which have got Dooku in. But as you say, cinematically and showing the story here, I, I do think that's an outstanding one and 
and I don't miss Dooku, is much of a fantastic actor he is. Plus there's already a bloke with a beard and a lightsaber on there. Yeah, in fact there's two. Well, two lightsabers anyway, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. I must admit, actually, I mean, we've just said that we're quad lovers, but as a poster, I think it works better as the US release. Yeah, hands yeah. down, yeah. Yeah, nice. Master Windu, how pleasant of you to join us. Now, we've taken that poster. I mean, I think it's a thumbs up from all three of us, which is uh, brilliant. But um, let's go over to a bit of the promotional stuff then. Now, Craig, you're going to take us through uh, several promotional areas, starting with some international subway designs. This is the rollout campaign. This is this is what we would refer to as the OOH advertising now. So this is the out of home. So this is your billboard and your bus shelters and all that kind of stuff that you see on the high street. And in contrast to the beautiful Struzan one sheet, they adopt a by the numbers approach. It's very contemporary movie advertising this stuff. So these were conceived by a chap called Scott Ewart, who in his role as the art director of marketing at Lucasfilm would have originated this work that was later overseen in its development through the San Francisco agency Venables, Bell and Partners, who just mentioned the art director and copywriter team who worked on the uh, on the original teaser. So Scott Ewart, who's now an independent, he showcases some variants of this work um, at his website, which is uh, ewart.com. You can go and have a look at that. And at the time, around 2001, 2002, Venables Bell would have been a relatively new agency based over in San Francisco, so very handy for, for Lucasfilm to work with and, and basically put this kit of parts together for different territories who would then adapt them for their local markets. And interestingly, some years have passed. You can go and buy these original images from um, the stock library, alamy.com, where you can see all of these in their original form in a in a studio on a grey background. It's quite interesting to just to just flick through those and you sort of see how they've been cut out and put onto different backgrounds to create this campaign. So they're effectively character posters and character posters are something we see all the time now in the promotion of movies. We see them with TV shows. We see them with Book of Boba Fett. The show will be running for a while and then they'll start to drip out posters just focusing on a single character or a couple of characters. I've been trying to think of this. I, I, you know, their rise as a, as a as a technique. I remember going to the cinema to see Pulp Fiction, which would have been 1994. And they had like a set and they were kind of a three size. And whether they were just made for for giveaways or, or what, or whether they were ever used as uh, as promotional items in, in bought media. But that's sort of the first time I remember seeing this idea of they take a different character and they give them their own poster uh, to promote the film that way. I think the most famous example from from the '90s is probably Train Spotting, which is brilliant. You know, they did it so well. Introduced in the cast of characters, you'd see the different posters around the town on bus shelters, and then you'd see them all together on the on the on the quad. So that's the principle of these. So if you take them as a set, they've all got a very strong character pose. Um, sometimes it's just one character. Sometimes it's a little grouping. They're all bisected, sort of right on the, the middle of the poster on an horizon line with characters in the distance. And you've got a colour palette for the good guys. You've got a warm 
sort of dusky oranges and browns for the for the heroes and then for the villains you've got sort of moody blues just to go through them so these are international subway posters so you've got one with uh, anakin and padme you've got one with obi-wan and mace windu you've got another where um, padme's in the foreground and you've got anakin uh, obi-wan and is that mace in the background as well and then you've got a couple of bad guys. You've got Dooku flanked by two clones, which is slightly misdirecting. And then you've got another one with Dooku, Django, and Sam Wessel. And you've got Django on his own, and he's uh, he's backed by the clone army. So they're not true representations of scenes in the movies. They are uh, an artistic presentation of these characters in a way that makes a nice set. It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on their merits as posters. Yeah, I like them. They've got the the heroes and the villains themes behind them. Uh, it's interesting that when you look at the one which is titled Heroes, where you've got uh, Padme in a bit of a sort of power stance in the front with the uh, three Jedi behind her and then a, a sort of sea of Jedis behind them, like a wall of Jedis. And then when you look at that versus the villains before you switch to the villains look at the uh look at the background look at the the sort of the atmosphere look at the sort of mood and the colors um in the background but particularly the clouds because when you actually then switch to the villains the clouds are exactly the same it's just the shade which has changed so whilst the principal characters are different the what you're looking at is the world is the same but the characters are different. So you just looking at this from a different point of view. And that, that was my, my thoughts with that. You know, Stoll's people talk about a certain point of view, but it's actually that skyline, what you're looking at, those exact same conditions are exactly the same for, for the villains and for the heroes. It's just, is it the mood which has changed? Are you on the good side? Are you on the bad side? It's just, just an observation there that the clouds and the skyline is identical. It's a lovely observation. I suspect it's more to do with the economics of providing a set of assets. Uh, so right. advertise agencies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I just think it's a certain point of view. But... <laughs> yeah. I, I like your take on it, Jez. It's really yeah. good. But I, I like the simplicity of it because, you know, sometimes we, you, know, you, you look at a poster, you go back to the Drew one, it's busy but it's still beautiful. And sometimes there can be posters which are just too busy. They're just too hectic. What am I looking at here? I'm looking at a war, I'm looking at an army. It looks like we're going to war. And then, all oh, right, these are the key characters. So I think these posters are perfect for people who don't necessarily understand Star Wars, don't necessarily know Star Wars, but can look at this and look at the mood behind it and go, right, yeah, they're the goodies. They're the baddies. Job done. Star Wars is coming. Oh, and it's called episode two. And Star Wars is a bigger font than Episode 2. And Attack of the Clones is quite clear at the bottom. So winning in all respects. Yeah, I think there's a nice geometry to them. Like you say, they're simple, quite arresting. I think that, you know, some of the technical aspects look quite dated now. I think if they were to do them tomorrow, they could be a little bit more sophisticated in their execution. But if you think back to our original brief of you know, dialing up this romance and and selling this film to um, women and teenage girls, it feels like they're getting a bit more action oriented with these. Yeah, none of them really depict the love story, do they? No, 
So whether it was always a strategic thing to lead with that love story and then bring these out later to just make sure people knew it was an action-packed Star Wars film or whether they changed tack. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. They're hedging their bets, aren't they? They're trying to get mass appeal, potentially. Yeah, because it is, it's definitely gone from a romance in the stone, sort of classic Gone with the Wind, Dr. Zhivago, to, yeah, a bit more out-out war. Yeah, there are there are antagonists here, and there are weapons on display and all sorts of stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely putting the wars back in Star Wars. Although that said, when you look at the Italian bus stop poster, which is actually one of the pieces that's showcased on uh, Scott Hewitt's website, the, the romantic leads are front and centre again. So, you know, maybe that's an Italian thing. You know, maybe the Italians are a little bit more romantic. Okay. <laughs> I like the dark side and the light side element again. You know, I'm not saying that about the clouds. We've already discussed that, and that might have just been slight yeah, efficiencies there in, in, in time and putting these things together. However, behind the goodies, sunrise. Or is it sunset? But it's, there's light, right? There's a light to that. And then you look at the, uh, the baddies, and they're all dark. And again, simple, isn't it? Light side, dark side. I think it's a good question. That is it. Is it a sunrise or a sunset? I think you know, given what we were talking about with the, the Coruscant skies um, when we when we did the commentary, you know, they're very symbolic of the, the the dying of the Republic. You know, so I'm I'm going sunset. Yeah, and I think you could put that with a binary sunset rather than binary sunrise, maybe, but not that that's Tatooine. We're talking Genesis, but there we go. Who knew at the time? Because this was. The poster but yeah definite use of lights there uh which i like they're good posters i do i you know I, I do like them do you remember them from the time remember seeing them i think i remember them on bus stops i can't remember the django fair one yeah i remember them i think the images were used elsewhere as well weren't they i'm they sure in the press, sort of in magazines the press, and stuff in, yeah yeah the, in the national papers yeah now there was also some french banners which uh mm obviously also uses a very similar sort of design slightly different yeah slightly different in fact these were the only ones which it's believed these were the only ones which came at that in that size they came in two pieces so they were uh, 48 inches by 63 inches each often known as the uh, two sheet as opposed to the one sheet yeah not a great deal of difference really difference between those and what and what craig's already gone about the Padme one though when I was looking through all of them it was the Padme one uh, with a very strong I think 21st century term for it is fierce pose of this young lady does that bring any other movie to mind that poster um okay because for me it's James Bond if you think about in the 80s with sort of Roger Moore very much for your eyes only sort of power stance female sort of empowerment uh, you know with a firm firm leg stance there with a weapon i looked at that and i was like oh right yeah that that reminds me of of that james bond movie <laughs> for your eyes only so that, that's what i got from that but there was a uh, i believe it was the yoda one where there was a lot of information on the the yoda and creation visual i'm, I'm not going to try and butcher the language however i did put this text into google translate and it did come out slightly strange. So Dazzling Visual Creation was one of them, which would be right, Dazzling Visual Creation. And then the next Google Translate, 
numerical refinement and narrative maturity. Okay, and then uh, force intact after a quarter of a century. So some really, really weird text. As I was trying to find out some more about that, you've got a logo NRJ at the bottom, bottom right of those ones. NRG is, uh, or NRJ was a French radio station. So you'd often find billboards with that logo bottom right. So there we go, the, the French bus stop banners. Really tall, really uh, crazy two-piece. That leads us on. Craig, you've already brought this up. I mean, I know we were saying that there's there's probably loads of different variations and different posters, but the Italian bus stop poster, which there isn't much information on, but it is a little different. Can you take us uh, through that one? I'm just going to send you a link. Hang on. Which is very interesting because I'm also going to send you a link. I wonder if we've spotted or thinking the same thing. Let's see if we're going to send the same links. So this is this is the guy who used to work at Lucasfilm. This is his website. It's got some alternative ones on it. It's the Mace Windu one on his own. And then there's the one where he's he's got his arms spread like Rooney. <laughs> I like that. So I've never seen that. So whether these were concepts that were passed on to the agency and adapted or or dropped. I mean, this is included in in some of the original work that uh, Scott Ewart's got on his website. And I have to say, it's very, very poor. <laughs> It's a Photoshop montage of the worst kind. There's little consideration to the composition. You've got one, two, three, four, five ghostly Dooku in the background, six elements that have been arranged with very little consideration to how each element works with the other element. It's very naive and amateurish looking and stands out as not being part of this campaign. It's not got any of the, the geometry or the simplicity it's just really bad. Sorry. Anakin and Padme look more like their um, kind of poster for Grease 3, aren't they? Given <laughs> <laughs> his leather and her in a slinky outfit. It's it's cheap looking, but it's clearly the reference image that Drew Stusen mm. used, you know? So there's nothing wrong with the pose in itself. It's just the way this has been interpreted and presented is just really poor. Sorry, Italy. Your bus stop posters aren't on point just sharing the original Empire Strikes Back Tom Young poster of Vader sort of swooping up there with his leg and all sorts of stuff going on then when I went back to that Italian picture in that sort of top right quarter I saw the sort of I don't know it just looked to me like it was Vader's sort of silhouette and you've got the leg of that sort of armoured vehicle to me I just when I looked at that poster it gave me slight empire strikes back vibes top right that's all i'm saying and again am i seeing things or it's just arts what you see yourself isn't it really i guess everyone can interpret these things differently but that just reminds me of the empire strikes back thing top right it's not patch on tom's work but it reminded me of it can't see it (laughs) okay fair enough so you've got the the rock face isn't he the rock to the right kind of looks like a sweeping cape yeah so almost like a batman cape type thing then when i went to the empire strikes back one i saw vader's sort of cape darth vader's helmet and i saw sort of legs and stuff like that i i just saw that there because there was a lot going on i was just wow reminds me of that slightly i can see where you're coming from jez i love the way your mind works (laughs) how you've seen that 
good because, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, You're wrong, but <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I love that you uh, you've spotted it. I mean, you never know. You'll have to get this um, artist on to ask him. Still not got it, Craig? No, it's, I'm sorry, I don't. Um, I don't see any hidden symbolism, and I think, given the naivety of a lot of the other. I mean, what's Yoda doing? It's like he's he's sort of looking up at them on the floor. It's very, it's just not very good. Sorry, not feeling it. Yeah, Yoda's definitely got a please uh, can have some more vibe going to to him there, isn't he? In, in that one. Yeah, looks like student work. Now this is a bit different than Craig because. Also in 2002, I'm not sure what time period of the year, but the IMAX experience with this movie and obviously a poster to go alongside it. Hit yeah. me with your info on this. Hit you with my info. I mean, it's certainly not part of this campaign. We've got a giant Yoda astride what looks to be the United States. We've got, is that the Seattle Needle and the Golden Gate Bridge? And I don't know, is that the White House? Some landmarks, anyway. Yeah, you've got the uh, New York City skyline in there. It's one on the right, I believe, yeah. So, yeah, so you've got Yoda striding across the country uh, to promote the attack of the clones appearing in IMAX cinemas in in the US. So this was done by a chap called David, and he was an American illustrator, painter, but most known for album sleeves. And he used to work with people like Journey and ACDC, the Beach Boys, Frank Zappa, done some work with the Beatles. And he passed away recently, 2019. But he's the man responsible uh, for this. Nice piece of work. I like this. This is this is more in the Drew Struzan camp than it is some of the photoshoppery we've just been looking at. It's got a vintagey feel, the rendering of it, the colours of it, the, the typography. It's got a, an old Hollywood kind of vibe to it. And it's Yoda conceptually IMAX is big so they made the little guy really big yeah so I get it yeah yeah I like it I like it definite King Kong vibe isn't it yeah the, the irony of Yoda being King Kong but yeah love it yeah yeah nice nice so let's move it on a little bit I mean I sent you five of the biggest films from 2002 uh, to compare with we've already spoken about spider-man but it was the year of harry potter and the chamber of secrets catch me if you can lord of the rings the two towers and gangs of new york in comparison i mean the drew struzan poster we all like in comparison how how does it how does it mirror other posters of that year i mean lord of the rings to me is probably the one that sits the closest to it as a design would you agree yeah, I agree with you on that. I do. Yeah, the light of the moon and the towers and then the cast, the main cast players. Yeah, it's busy, but it's 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 fine. There's nothing wrong with it. They're, they're busy posters. Where, where does it sit for you two, comparable of its era? I think it compares favourably. I mean, the Drew Struzan is head and shoulders above all of these. You know, compositionally, you've just sort of pulled out the, the, the two towers. But this is Photoshop. It's not got that life. It's not got that texture. It's not got that richness to it it's just pixels that have been recomposited on the screen you know there's something about drew struzan's work that transcends any of that uh, and that's probably why we still you know associate those posters with such good times i mean i think famously jim henson would only let him do the muppets because the muppets are really hard to photograph because they're you know they're bits of foam and feathers whereas 
when Struzan drew them, they came to life. And I think that's a really good illustration as, as why that type of poster is far more successful than than the sort of contemporaries that we've got on display here. I mean, you look at other stuff I've just shared with you, the Spider-Man 2002. So that came out, that was the first Spider-Man movie. And I imagine you, you leave the cinema auditorium, you walk in along down, you know, to the way out to, near the toilets or, or where popcorn and everything is. Actually, those corridors are quite dark. So sometimes you might want to move away from darker posters. That Spider-Man one, do you know what? That is such a, a decent poster, in my opinion. It doesn't even say Spider-Man on it because it doesn't need to because it's kept it simple. You, you've just got the really bright colours of Spider-Man on it. It just gives the date at the bottom in a particular font, which we will come on to. But that's that's quite clearly, I think, a timeless one there. I, I love the Drew one. We've spoken about that. I think that that one there is brilliant. Whereas you then look at it amongst others. So uh, I think it was Die Another Day came out that year. Same year, 2002. Uh, James Bond, Die Another Day. Uh, you know, yet another Pierce Brosnan one. A uh, lot of, you know, a lot of chat behind this one. Madonna was in it. She did the soundtrack. You know, a, a reasonable poster that one came out with. But it, it wasn't a Drew. It wasn't an iconic thing, which, you you know, you guys can't picture it now. But you can picture, everyone can now picture the Attack of the Clones poster. But I, I really liked that Spider-Man one. That was uh, something which really appealed to me. I guess the old one out's the Catch Me If You Can, which, you know, is a retro-style film and it's got some retro touches to the poster. I mean, the Gangs of New York one is just movie posters by numbers. The big faces at the top. The Catch Me If You Can one, I think they were just going on there, two sort of main characters who who were serious box office property at the time. And actually, that, that poster was kind of out of focus, wasn't it, I think, given the impression of someone so quick, I, I can't even get a decent image of them. That's what I got on that poster. The Harry Potter one, for the size of the franchise, is just forgettable, isn't it? Perhaps it didn't need to have the money pumped into it. It's Harry Potter, people were going to go and see it. Yeah, uh, it's from that school of very safe movie poster design. I mean, that's saying nothing other than they've grown up a bit from the last one. Indeed. Well, very interesting. So before we, we kind of close out the movie posters and the promotional campaign, what do we think overall of the marketing campaign and the choices made? I mean, we've, we've spoken about Struzan at length. We're all on board. We all love the poster. We all love his work. Overall, do you, do you think it was a good campaign? We, you, you stated in the start that it was only a 25 million budget. I mean, does anyone know what how that's comparable to the budget for something like The Phantom Menace when it comes to marketing? No, I don't. Not with hard figures, but you know, I can point at unsold Darling Kindersley episode one books and say that's the contrast. There's a very telling point in that article where you know it does state that a lot of things went unsold and there was a lot of saturation. So you know, for them to pull back on this movie and not ram it down people's throats quite so much i kind of get yeah. and i don't i don't think empire strikes back was that different as the second film in the franchise it didn't have as much around it yeah. and we've talked about that on other shows so it's that second film in the series thing isn't it and you look back at that original brief that the article outlines was it was it a successful campaign i, I don't, i'm not sure it was it's not very memorable is it whether it brought women and teenage girls into the cinemas to watch this amazing love story i don't know with 20 years distance it sort of just feels a little bit 
as Jez says, not it's not very Star Wars. We can't help but view these things without having the knowledge and experience of the film cloud it. So it's um, it's difficult to judge from a from a marketing design point of view. I don't think it's great. I just want to go on to a couple of things because uh, there's a couple of key things which I think we do need to cover before we move on. But Lucasfilm, when they looked at this, I mean, let's face it, in 1999, there hadn't been a Star Wars movie for 16 years, right? So they were going to throw absolutely everything at it. You know, there was a lot of anticipation here. And then once you've got that sort of initial movement, Star Wars was almost like a self-licking lollipop. So they probably felt that they could, you know, tone it down a little bit, save that little bit of money here, save that little bit of money there. You look at the, so what do we have, three different trailers, and we've covered the trailers in depth in our prequel trailer show which is brilliant by the way folks so yeah we've got the breather trailer the forbidden love teaser the clone war trailer the mystery teaser trailer the across the stars music video don't forget they had that and that was going out on sort of not just mtv but you know the across the stars music video was out there but there were 12 tv spots now what tv spot in particular am i going to make reference to now because you know reacting to other movies and stuff there was a bit of a sort of tongue-in-cheek TV spot. I don't know if either of you guys can remember that. No. When you looked at the TV spots, I think they looked at this and said, oh, look at Spider-Man. Spider-Man's getting a lot of attention right now. Let's, uh, let's have a little bit of fun. seen that <laughs> this summer take the ultimate spin spin a web even the text the font that the font, font yeah. is the same yeah, font yeah. you get on the spider-man poster yeah man so you know they they looked at this and were like right yeah okay everyone's gone to see the spider-man movie let's just have some fun with this it, it, it's my take on that it's just too much of a coincidence obviously i don't know the date of when this particular tv spot came out but i just thought yeah uh, just really really taking the mick out of their huge character yoda so there we go i thought that was a great tv spot but it was the next element which i wanted to talk to you about we talk about the campaign the marketing campaign so there's one element which you know isn't for this show but the the magazines you know you look at time empire entertainment weekly vanity fair all these different magazines with the artwork and, and the covers so so attack of the clones was there it was in the news agents it was all over the place so so, you know we're focusing more on on the artwork and and the posters for the cinemas but yeah you only need to look online to see you know film all the different you know empire covers mad etc etc but what else happened in 2002 gents Stu, i know that you're this is a massive part of your life what happened in 2002 tends to come around every four years or so a football World Cup. Yeah. Is there anything... 2002, Korea, yeah. Japan, was it? Yeah, that's right, Korea, Japan. Now, this is something which I picked up on whilst doing some research for this uh, episode because I couldn't recall it. And as I said, you know, it's because it, at the time um, I was doing all sorts of stuff from a work point of view in 2002 and my mind was probably elsewhere. But there was actually a very, very clever campaign, 
very clever at the time, uh, which Lucasfilm did as part of their outdoor campaign, which was for the World Cup. Does this ring any bells at all? all no. Right? right. Okay. So some of the posters, which Craig uh, shared with us earlier on when he went through some of the from the different ones and some of the foreign ones, there was one in particular with Mace Window, uh, Mace Window with his arms uh, spread out like Rooney. Is that right? So, this is correct. Yes. Okay, so to help launch Episode 2 internationally, an outdoor campaign was created to tease the impending Clone War battle for the first time in any Star Wars film. Fans were going to see over 200 Jedi Knights in action. The good guys' uh, boards featured the heroes in the foreground, flanked by a silhouetted wall of Jedi. The bad guy campaign was more ominous in tone and featured the villains in the forefront surrounded by a wall of clone troopers. Yeah, nothing new there. We've gone through that. In addition... Some very specific boards were created to have some fun around the 2002 World Cup football tournament. The advertising combined the outdoor campaign's imagery with clever references that were tailored to football fans in each country. So this information I've got off the original Attack of the Clones DVD, Disc 2, (laughs) which I watched earlier on, full of loads and loads of info. So the first one we have... Uh, our two heroes, Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, with the wall of Jedi behind him. And what's the caption at the bottom? <laughs> force, force two. <laughs> yeah. So not four, four, two, the football, uh, soccer, football term, but force, four, two. So really subtle imagery and words used on these posters throughout the World Cup campaign. Now, what, what's the next one? Girls play on our team. Yeah, so, I mean, okay, girls play on our team. Now I know, you know, times move on and, you know, football's changed. But back then, yeah, the girls are on our team. You've got a picture of Padme there in a sort of power stance with the three heroes behind her. And then uh, we've got Mace Windu with his arms spread, as you said earlier on, like Rooney. And it just says, our goalie uses the force. And uh, so you've got Mace Windu with his arms out like a goalkeeper. With his lightsaber, our goalie uses a force. There's another one with Yoda, and the caption says, On our pitch, size matters not, which I thought was really cute. What's the next one? Yodinio. So, <laughs> in 2002, the greatest player on the planet was probably Ronaldinho. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's yeah. a play on his name. Really, really good. And then, when it comes to uh, soccer teams or football teams, we've got different groups. And it's usually one group which has got some really, really strong teams in, often referred to as the group of death. And uh, and what we have here is a poster of Count Dooku, uh, Django, Fett and uh, Sam with a uh, flanked by a, uh, a, a sea of clone troopers. And it just says the other group of death, inverted commas. And uh, yeah, so I saw that and just thought, do you know what? That's really clever marketing. The uh, World Cup began on the 31st of May to the 30th of June. So if you just think about, you know, when when Attack of the Clones was released, this is just two weeks or so later. So, you know, did that affect box office takings is another matter. Did the World Cup affect box office takings? However, they definitely capitalised on the uh, TV uh, from a World Cup point of view because, yeah, Attack of the Clones was featured in the World Cup 2002. And I only learn about that today. Me too. (laughs) Brilliant, mate. 
But there we go. So yeah, two two excellent bits there. One was the uh, the, the Spider Man TV spot, and the other was was the World Cup marketing. So actually, on the whole, when you looked at what they did, yeah, they toned it down. They saved some money here. But I think actually, yeah, on, on reflection, they they did all right. I have good news for you, my lord. The war has begun. Excellent. Everything is going as planned. So moving on to a different area of art for Attack of the Clones, and that is the concept art. I mean, we saw it in the originals. Some of the Ralph McQuarrie art is is so famous. We're seeing it pop back up in TV shows and reused. But Ralph McQuarrie retired, and he opted not to do the prequel work. So George Lucas then turned to Doug Chang. Now, Craig, I'm coming to you. What can you tell us about Doug Chang, his history and his career up to this point, his style, his influences, anything you've you found about Doug Chang that you can um, you can tell us before we go into concept art? I think it's best summed up on the Lucasfilm website, actually. So I'm just going to uh, read a bit of that out, give you an overview of, of Doug and his work. So uh, an Academy Awarding Artist author and production designer, began his career as a stop-motion animator on the TV series Pee-wee's Playhouse. After attending UCLA Film School, he became a commercial TV director for Rhythm and Hughes, Robert Abel and Associates and Digital Productions. As creative director for George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic, he served as visual effects art director on films such as Terminator 2, Ghost, The Mask, Forrest Gump and Death Becomes Her. Chang has earned numerous awards, including an Academy Award, two BAFTA Awards, Clio for Design and Excellence and the Art Directors Guild Award for Best Production Design. In 1995, George Lucas personally selected Chang to serve as the head of Lucasfilm Art Department for seven years on Star Wars Episodes 1 and 2. He left Lucasfilm in 2002 to form his own 35-person design studio, Ice Blink, and worked for Steven Spielberg on War of the Worlds. In 2006, Chang partners with the Walt Disney Company and Robert Zemeckis to form Image Movers Digital, a new film studio built on the foundation of Ice Blink Studios. Chang returned to Lucasfilm in 2013 to work on Star Wars The Force Awakens and currently serves as Lucasfilm's Vice President and Executive Creative Director. With over 25 years of Star Wars design expertise, he oversees designs for all new Star Wars franchise developments, including films, theme parks, games and new media. He recently served as production designer on Rogue One, Star Wars Story, and Disney's upcoming Pinocchio from director Robert Zemeckis. Currently, Chang is serving as production designer for the Star Wars live-action series The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi. What the CV, isn't it? It's so impressive. I mean, I first saw him and his work with episode one. I think, you know, I'm forever associating with that Naboo Starfighter. He's an incredibly talented guy. I went to um, his panel in Chicago. And he's fascinating to listen to as well. Absolutely fascinating bloke. I think of the Jewel of Fates music video because he's quite clearly in that crafting. I think it might have even been Naboo Starfighter there. You know, I, I my key images with Doug Chang are mainly the vehicles, the spaceships, starships, etc., etc. But yeah, going back right from the beginning, I, I could just picture him now when I hear that music, him him drawing, sketching as part of that making of episode one video. Brilliant. Genius. How pleasant of you to join us. So I think I think Chang's a good all-rounder. He's certainly a worthy successor to Macquarie, isn't he? He would have had a clear brief from Lucas 
with the prequels. Yeah, it was about retro fitting designs, wasn't it? And going back to certainly like the things like Naboo were all around recalling a more elegant era, less angular, less militaristic. When Macquarie was drawing it, the, the worlds were going to have to be built, weren't they? Where this is nearly all CGI. So you've got a blank canvas of what you can do. His images with the worlds, what what, what are we thinking when it comes to those? Uh, I would say, so if you look at Camino then, so up until this stage, we hadn't really seen oceans and that sort of environment and rain. There had been a, a sort of a lake of water scene in episode one, hadn't there, with the underwater scene. But I think Camino is a great visual. So who worked on Camino? I've got Doug Chang and Eric Tiemans. The earliest concepts for what Lucas had called the cloning world imagined a city perched above a stormy sea. Doug Chang's first production painting was this dramatic approach to, to Poker City. George described this as a planet consumed by storms, but with very high tech, sophisticated cities built on stilts, Chang recalled. That image was very appealing since I've always liked the striking image of oil decks in the North Atlantic. When I was painting, I was trying to capture that mood where there's a break in the weather and a shaft of sunlight is highlighting the city, but the rain and the winds are still powerful. I mean, that is a, a striking image, isn't it? The one you've just described to Craig with the rocky sea. Is that the one with like Slave One in like a dot in the air? Yeah. Mm, yeah, I mean, from concept art for Attack of the Clones, it probably is one of the more famous images. If, if you put that in the Macquarie portfolio, it's very in keeping. Yeah. If you didn't know, you'd kind of go, yeah, there's another one. So he's, there's a lot of homage there, I think. Yeah, indeed. What about you, boys? What, what are some of your favourite concept pieces he produced for this movie, obviously? Utter devastation of war on Genosis. I mean, you know, these are some of the... You look at them and just think back to some of the, the games which came out around about that time of the Clone Wars. You know, fundamentally, that's what we're looking for, isn't it? It's the big sort of money shots at the end of the film, isn't it? With all the sort of swooping vehicles coming in and the tanks and the explosions and the fire and... and that that's the war that's the war which Obi-Wan Kenobi was making reference to back in 1977 though those pieces there air land and sea you know so we've spoken about the sea already with Camino uh, and the the air aspect of it with the Naboo starfighters those things look fantastic you know you, you could look at that and your eyes could then look at that sort of almost um half a flight of uh, starfighters and think right yeah second world war let's let's go back to sort of spitfires there going through the clouds um so i've got my sea got my air and land you just look at that land war the land battle going on so yeah concept art on all three fronts are, are on different environments showing that you know big universe and three very very different areas we're we're with world building aren't we we are and, and nothing's wasted so like we see a lot of macquarie designs coming back into the four um with things like force awakens you know revisiting some of his work doug chang is revisiting some of his work from these movies for the tv properties now so the annihilator droid that we saw in um Boba fett was originally uh, created for attack of the clones it was dropped because george felt there were too many droids not like here. Here everything is soft and smooth. I think one of the strong art influences that I get from Attack of the Clones is Art Nouveau. So I bang on a lot about the Art Deco influence of Star Wars. I mentioned it 
every other podcast because it's very much the Flash Gordon world, geometric domes and elegant streamlined shapes. But Art Nouveau is an art movement that I see dotted around this film all the time, especially around Padme. It's a very romantic art movement, so it fits this particular story beautifully. So a quick overview for people who didn't sit through art history lessons. Art Nouveau is an ornamental style of art that was very popular between around 1890 and 1910. So the turn of the century, but it's characterized by very long, sinuous, organic lines. And you see it a lot in architecture, interior design, jewelry, the graphic art of the time, posters and illustrations. And it was a bit of a reaction against some of the mechanization that the Industrial Revolution brought into the world. And it, and it favoured things that looked more like they were grown um, rather than they were machine-made. So it's a very sensuous movement. And there's also a very erotic element to it. So I've got a little quote here from the V&A. The turn of the 20th century, perhaps more than any other period in the history of art, was a time of sexual freedom and decadent elegance. Art Nouveau reflected this fascination with sexual and erotic identity, particularly female sexuality, in a world beginning to experience the social, economic, and cultural liberation of women. Women became the dominant theme of Art Nouveau, and the erotic potential of the female body was fully exploited to express many different concerns. So you look at this romantic story and this blossoming of this young queen, and you can see Art Nouveau's influence all over this work there's there's concept sketches that look like Aubrey Beardsley and it's something that you see in Padme's costumes through like the meadow dress so Jez the little buns with the with the with the gold sort of crochet coverings that's yes. so Art Nouveau the wedding dress the Naboo Lake costume and it was all it was carried through to Revenge of the Sith so her funeral scene directly references uh, a pre-Raphaelite painting, and the pre-Raphaelites were were an art movement that was very closely linked to Art Nouveau. But there's a painting called Ophelia by John Everett Millais, and it's like it, it's a direct lift from it. So I, I think you know, amidst all this machinery and all of this uh, hardware, you've got these references, and I know it's something that Lucas is into, and I'm sure when his uh, Museum of Narrative Art appears in LA there'll be lots of this type of stuff on on display I think it's a big influence but Attack of the Clones is where he really got to explore it I've got a quote here from Ian uh, McCaig who was uh, in charge of a lot of the costumes we wanted costumes that looked like they'd fall off if she sneezed it was about peeking at things about intimacy so the costume design and a lot of those touch points were all around you know I get that as you say by the lake yeah, there wasn't much to that. There, you're right. You're absolutely right. There was also uh, there was a sort of evening scene with Padme and Anakin, and she was wearing something quite sort of. There wasn't a great deal to it, but it was leather as well. So you know that's gone completely against what you were saying with regards to the lacy elements of Art Nouveau. It's an interesting contrast against all of the other mm. sci-fi stuff going on, and I know it's something that Lucas is a, a fan of, as I say. And it's it's a very visual representation of a romantic mood, a romantic movement. I think there's so much to the art of a movie. You know, when we look at things like a marketing campaign, it's very tangible. Yeah. Uh, it's against a brief. 
I mean, you can take any one of those characters, any one of those ships, any one of those environments, and you could talk about that for half an hour. I think one of the standout bits is, is Dooku, isn't it? And how Dooku was originally a woman, then became an old woman, and ultimately the designs for Dooku later became Ventress when uh, when it was cast as... Uh... Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee, there you go. Lord Tyrannus, you have done well. So, uh, Craig, where where is the best place for people to look at concept art? Then you know, I, I can easily find posters and stuff. You, you look at concept art, and it's a little bit more difficult to to find out what is true concept art, uh, and other stuff just gets slipped in there in the mix. Is there a, is there a good source? Well, I have in front of me the art of Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, written by Mark Cotavaz. It's a fantastic book. If you're into your art, even if this isn't your favourite film, these books are still fantastic reference and interesting to flick through. Uh, we do have a copy of this book to give away. Over the next 48 hours after this show, it will be announced who is getting that book. So um, stick around at the end and we will tell you how you can be in with a chance of picking that book up. nothing too massive now i mean with all um big licenses star wars in particular you get some terrific fan art and other licensed pieces for you know i mean we, we see licensed work at celebration um there's often some fantastic artwork down the artist alley i picked out a couple of pieces which i thought you boys could just describe and see a few different people's uh, takes and then we'll we'll have a look if you came up with anything else so jez yeah, first piece of piece of art. What are you? What are you thinking? Yes. Who's the artist? Devon Schofler the second. So this is a really, really pure and simple image, which to me really aesthetically pleasing. You've got the uh, Star Wars Episode Two Attack of the Clones logo at the bottom. You essentially you've got Jango Fett's helmet with his uh, viewfinder just elevated uh, as you would find it normally. On the left hand side of the uh, poster as you look at it it's just quite clearly Jango Fett's helmet but the right hand is then blended into lots of images which you would find and associate with Attack of the Clones so you've got Yoda, Mace Windu, Anakin, uh, Padme, you've got uh, Obi-Wan, you've got the Count Dooku, you've, you've got the Bounty Hunters and you've got the clones plus at the bottom you've got Aklay being sort of fought by Obi-Wan Kenobi and then in the Background just behind the helmet and elevated above, you've got a uh, Camino scene with Slave One just flying over the water. I've I've said a lot there, but actually it's it's quite a simple thing because it's a helmet against a backdrop. I think it's it's really nice and simple to me. The helmet itself, you're you're seeing the sort of stainless steel finish of it with the blue accents, and then you've got the darker characters on the right hand side. But all in all. It's probably one of the lighter posters that we see. It's fine on its own. It comes as uh, part of a set, if you like. So you can get an episode one poster to go with it and the episode three. So you could have ordered those all together or just have this one as an individual. The episode one being Darth Maul and the episode three one being General Grievous. But out of the three, I think I think this one's really, really nice. What do you guys think of this? This really appeals to me. I quite like it. It's sort of, it's walking a fine line between those minimalist interpretations mm. and 
a, a busy montage. I think the the layout is is really nice, the way it's constructed around the helmet. I think it just gets a little bit cut and paste on the uh, on the right side of the helmet. It's it's not it's not badly done, but it's it's the same pictures I've seen several times before, just yeah. arranged in a different way. Yeah, um, yeah it's it, it's it's pretty nice. Yes. I'm not sure they need the Camino bit at the top. I That's think it would exactly look cleaner right. yeah. with just the top of the helmet. Yeah, 100% agree with you on that. Are oh, they all like that with the other two as well? The Darth Maul one, as you could expect, is darker with red. But just above it, you kind of lose the horns because, yeah, you've got this element just above showing um, the starships, the spaceships. Yeah, I think they maybe make a little bit too overcomplicate the picture yeah. with those yeah. bits on there. And a general yeah. grievous one has got a green tint to it, but again, it's got something above. But yeah, you know, there there is a simplicity to it, but I just think, yeah, without that backdrop, that would be uh, the best thing. But yeah, I agree with you, Craig, you know, what you're saying. There is a lot in there. It is a bit kind of paste. The only thing you haven't necessarily seen before like that is the silhouette of the uh, creature being hit by, um, by Obi-Wan at the bottom, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Not bad though. Like it. Yeah, yeah. Bit different. You have done well. Craig, let's move on. Okay, so we're looking at uh, a print called No Mistakes this time by Danny Haz, and it's an over the shoulder shot of Django Fett looking out onto uh, the Coruscant nightscape and witnessing the chase of Zam Wessel by Anakin and Obi Wan. It's a very contemporary vector style interpretation. So again, quite graphic, block colours, bold shapes. And yeah, when I say bold colours, like bright colours, <laughs> it's actually quite quite eye-popping and uh, it's a lot of yellow and red in, uh, in Django's outfit, which is, you know, we know to be silver and blue. So a little bit of artistic licence, but yeah, quite, quite a nice image. I don't, I don't mind it. I don't think it's something I'd, go out and spend $45 on and put on my wall. But for that kind of thing, I think it has an appeal. Exactly that. It has an appeal. Not my thing. Definitely worthy of being a uh, Star Wars Celebration recipient or something which is available on Darking. Yeah. yeah. I think it'd make a um, nice back to a playing card. Mm. It's got that feel, hasn't it? Mm. We've looked at the um, Theory 11 ones before and it's it, it's got a... It's got a nod to that, hasn't it? Worthy of recognition in the archives of the Jedi Order. Okay, Jez, over to a picture by Ollie Boyd. Yeah, Ollie Boyd. So this is Star Wars Attack of the Clones, uh, minimal art style. This, well, this has got sort of Vietnam uh, War thrown through it, really. It looks like a cross between Apocalypse Now, Empire of the Sun, and uh, Far From Vietnam, I would say, is orange and black using shadows using silhouettes very clever use of a drop ship and a sun sort of lens flare which also has got the accents of a clone trooper helmet perfectly done it's i think this is really really um i think it's just quite cool i think it's really clever clever use of shadowing and silhouettes and um i would say simple but probably almost certainly really not simple to put together but just a very good idea I, I think the detailing on the helmet what they've done there with that ship and the sun i think it's very clever now i don't know if you noticed but they've done 
uh, this artist has done one of these for every every Star Wars film going, including the holiday special. <laughs> now you've seen that and all quick searches and stuff, I can see, yeah, Force Awakens, bits and pieces. Yeah, I do like that. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, I think these are these are good. The C-3PO one is the one you see a lot, isn't it? And the, uh, the, the Boba Fett where oh. Cloud City forms the T-shape of his visor. I like these. I do like these. They exemplify fan art. You know, there's some, there's something that would not have a place in a traditional marketing campaign for a movie or 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 a book, but they exist just for the beauty of it. And 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 they are a beautiful set. Everything is going as planned. What I'm going to do now is uh, I'm going to drop something in which I saw at Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Craig, you would have seen it as well. Um, massive fan of Star Wars Celebration Chicago art show, and I'm actually looking forward to finding out. It's going to be very soon, uh, because the, all artwork had to be submitted at the end of March for the uh, forthcoming show at Anaheim. So, so you know, by the time this is released, Celebration is just moments away, and uh, and you know we'll already know what artwork there is. We might have to have a follow-up to this show, because... I know that there there is absolutely one hundred percent going to be more homages to to Attack of the Clones in this year's. But here's something which I'd like to share with you: Zoltan Simon is called Ill-Starred Love, the Good in Him. It's it's a really beautiful image, black and white image at the side of Padme. But then when you look again closer, what you've got is Darth Vader's Darth Vader's mm-hmm. mask it is built up around her face like a cracked glass coffin and um and it says from the opposite point of view if we try to see it through vader's mask we can see the love and good in him the good that never left him zoltan goes on to say star wars has so many strong motifs and archetypes i always find inspiration in them the idea of this image came into my mind when i was standing in a beautiful garden at lake como last september at the shooting location of the wedding scene from attack of the clones the picture catches the dark and an inevitable future in a beautiful and happy moment. Darth Vader's mask building up like a cracked glass coffin around Padme's face. From the opposite point of view, if we try and see through the Vader's mask, we can see the love and good in him, the good that never left him. I just think that's a really, really clever and a really beautiful picture. But then just it's that real subtlety of the glass coffin of Vader's mask around the face. You guys seen that one before? I think it sold out very quickly. I have from when we discussed it in the past, but uh, yeah, it is it is a good image. I remember it from the show. Yeah, it it stands out, doesn't it, for being very different. Yeah, you know, you see a lot of similar styles repeated in in Artist Alley. You know, there are certain ways to present these concepts and these characters. This is this is so unusual. It really stands out. Worthy of recognition in the archives of the Jedi Order. So that was just what I wanted to share with you. I'm interested to see what Craig's going to bring. So I'm going to send you a few things. I'm going to send you over a couple to start with that just underline what I was saying earlier about this Art Nouveau influence. So if you look at that first one there by an artist called Julia Harrison, it's a rendering of of Padme, but it's done in this very Art Nouveau style. So the image there on the on the right is Alphonse Mucha, who was a artist of the time, graphic artist of the time. And you can sort of see, can't you, just looking at the image, how much influence has, has been taken from that movement. And then there's another one there by Joshua Middleton, which was a, um, a commissioned piece. 
which again uses that very floral mm. um, uh, framing device. It, it looks like a turn of the century piece of work. So for such a naff scene in the movie, yeah. <laughs> it's such a beautiful image. But you know what? That outfit, I've seen people cosplay so well as well. You know, you only have to look at Celebration to look, to look at other people's point of view and, and see what see what people love. And now I, I, I see that, I get that. So there's a lot of that stuff around if you mm. if you look at sort of fan art from from that movie. A lot of people taking influence from that style. I'm going to send you something by way of marked contrast now. Oh yeah, the Duran Duran covers. I've never seen that. Yeah, you're getting this. So this is this is work by an artist called Craig Drake, and you can see that his influence is very much an artist called Patrick Nagel, who is most famous for the Duran Duran Rio cover. So these very stylized 1980s graphic renderings there's a lot of work in you know genre movies and and tv great great artists really striking imagery i do like these yeah they're good i like those it's the subtleties of the costume itself you know the sort of the armband the one way she's got sort of hair in a plait that's the the leatherish outfit which i had mentioned about the evening scene and then but this one clearly with the armband and that type of pistol that's when you think, oh, that's not just any old lady. That's Padme. And yeah, makes sense. Don't need anything else in there. It's just the subtle cues. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to send you a couple more. <laughs> We've got the Eric Tan piece. And we talked about Eric Tan when we looked at some of the Tiki collaborations he was doing with Geeky Tikis. So very long, thin, predominantly black and yellow and grey vector style image of, of the clones and the dropship, yeah. uh, Battle of Geonosis. Really nice, and again, part of a set that all work beautifully together. I like that. That is quite a popular style now, the sort of long, not your standard one-sheet or quad dimensions. There's there's a lot of love now for some of these sort of um, long, you know, 300 by 900s or, or what have you. You know, the, the tween does, uh, Malcolm Tween does long landscape ones, whereas this is, you know, long, tall portrait and, uh, and you know, our very own Mark Daniels does a lot of the long, tall portrait ones. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of time for them. And I think you can do a lot from a framing point of view with those as well. Yeah, it's a nice format. It makes for some interesting work. Uh, and the last one there, I, want, I was desperate to find something that was like an officially licensed product. And I believe this is. So the little golden books who've done very cute interpretations of uh, the stories from the films. I just really like this as a piece of work. I think it's... I think it's fun and it's colourful and it's it's just uh, a nice composition. You have ticked lots of boxes there tonight, haven't you, Craig? You've got something for everyone, including all the kids. <laughs> Indeed. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you think of Attack of the Clones and where it's held in people's regard. It's just interesting to, to dig around some of the fan art and some of the other stuff that, that's been produced under the broad topic of the art of Attack of the Clones. And it is interesting what you... Uh, what you throw up and there's some really good examples that we've showcased here and you know implore people to go and look at the uh, the enhanced versions where you can where you can see all this but it's not all been good you know for, for every for every nice piece i've found something awful and some of it has been legit lucasfilm products the novelization artwork on the cover of those is pretty poor both the hardback and the reissue and the junior one it's it's a real mixed bag anything else you've seen art wise what did I go through earlier on? I went through Gus and Duncan's Comprehensive Guide to Star Wars Collectibles, where there's loads of stuff about postcards, posters, 
lobby cards, premium posters, all sorts of stuff. So I've gone through all the different sections. And what did I see? What was different? And what did I quite like? There are a couple of clever ones. There's one, it's Anakin and Padme preparing to kiss as they're just about to go out to their doom. So there's a, a connections one, which is Anakin and Padme sort of behind each other. But in the foreground, you've got their twins grown up, Luke and Leah. So um, I just thought that they were interesting takes on the artwork and I haven't seen before. But the one of, of Anakin and Padme uh, just about to kiss, they're from Thailand. And uh, I thought they were quite nice. And then the uh, PCO 1209. 1209 is the United States. So so that was a US uh, postcard, which has got Padme and Anakin, but then with uh, a grown-up Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia just in the foreground. Connections, that's what that one's called. And having gone through the... <laughs> How many thousands and thousands of items in the uh, Gus and Duncan's book there? That's the best I came up with. Cool. What did you find, Craig? All I wanted to do, and I'm not going to dwell on this at all because it's it's tangentially linked to what we've been talking about, but there's a there's a great article on a website called Cinematic Slant, and it's called Revisiting the Holonet's Role in the Marketing of Attack of the Clones. So I don't know if anybody remembers this, but yeah. on StarWars.com, they ran an in-universe newsfeed that updated readers with what had been going on in the in the galaxy and it was accompanied by visuals and fake articles that talked about the politics talked about the 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 movers and shakers on the galactic stage but also interspersed with sort of gossipy things and it was all created to add texture and build hype for the movie so it's a great little article cinematicslant.com uh, and it's an article called Revisiting the Holonet's Role in the Marketing of the Attack of the Clones, which I urge people to just go and check out because it's, I think it's a it's a forgotten bit of of this story. And it's it's quite interesting what they were trying to do with that. Yeah, they're just little tidbits of what was going on in, in elections and various bits and pieces, wasn't it? Just all to do with Palpatine and... and... Completely, completely. Yeah. So the Holonet had been established in, in the expanded universe as, uh, you know, as the new source for this world. And this was a way of creating, immersing, immersing people. And people do it now all the time. You get get websites for movies that are in in universe, continuing the story. But this is one of the uh, one of the early uh, examples that I can I can recall. So, you know, alongside those posters that perhaps weren't hitting the mark from a you know a design or a conceptual point of view, they were doing some interesting things over at Lucasfilm to promote this movie. Yeah, it's it's not breaking the fourth wall. But it's almost like that sort of catch-up reminder you get at the beginning of The Walking Dead about what happened on the on the, on the episode before, you know? It, it is, yeah. And it's not going to hit everyone, is it? I mean, there would have been, the 90% of people wouldn't have known about that. But you're just different markets trying to get different people, you know? On reflection, you know, you might have thought, oh, no, they didn't do a very good job of that. You know, maybe when we came to record this show, but actually looking back now, what we've covered, you know, they had the teaser and as you said you know George was looking to enter a different market to bring others and, and new audiences in and that's why they were going along that avenue but then coming out with the Drew you know I want I want an absolute banker right we're going to get Drew to do the poster right so here's the teaser now we've got Drew doing a poster now we've got these different trailers coming in which we've already discovered right Spider-Man's knocking out of the park let's do a funny Spider-Man TV spot 
bringing that in. World Cup, let's capitalize on that. Let's get it out there, mass market. Look at the whole planet who's going to be watching the World Cup. You're doing these different key different things. And as you said, with the Holonet, they are actually really, really dominating, weren't they? There was a, there was a lot. We say it was scaled back, but they covered a lot of bases. Yeah. I think it's been some very positive comments about the old artwork tonight, don't you? Yeah, totally, 100%. I think anyone that listens to the commentary with us and maybe the prologue show, they might have thought we were quite harsh on Attack of the Clones. But like everything in Star Wars, even when the product doesn't deliver, there is always good stuff to come out of it. And just on its own, that Drew Struzan poster is an exceptional piece. And I'm sure we'll see other stuff as we go on through this month. Uh, boys, what's your favourite piece from the evening? Let, let, let's put Drew Struzan aside. We know that poster was brilliant. Out of all the other artwork you've seen, what would be your standout piece? I think just, you know, this doing this show has prompted me to get a dusty book off the shelf that I haven't picked up and flicked through in many years and just revisiting some of that concept work from Attack of the Clones. You realise just the talent that's in these movies and particularly some of those character designs, Ventress, some of Padme's work. It, it, it's brilliant. So that's been the highlight for me is getting that book back out. So, you know, I thank you for that, Stuart, in in, in putting this show together. Yeah, nice, nice. I, I love looking at the Ollie Moss stuff. From uh, I thought some of those posters were great. Drew Struzan was brilliant. But again, doing this has really opened my eyes more. I'm going back to episode two more and more. I've really enjoyed looking at this, cracking out that DVD for the first time in ages because I haven't needed to because I've had the Blu-ray because we've got Disney Plus. But the information on that DVD, the DVD which came out in what November 2002, six hours worth of extra stuff, documentaries in and bits and pieces, finding out about the World Cup. Yeah, we, we've got so much information, which is at risk in some respects of being lost if we just refer to things which are available to us on Disney Plus. So it's been really, really interesting. I, I'm... At this stage, what nearly sort of nearly halfway through recording this month's worth of stuff, I'm loving episode two more and more and more. In fact, now half of my eBay watch list is episode two stuff. <laughs> it's it it's weird, isn't it? I, I I'm I'm loving I'm loving what's happening. I'm I'm becoming more of an episode two fan. Genuinely, am. Well, we did say this might happen. The nostalgia might kick in for this movie. Yeah. And, uh, I am looking forward to the epilogue show at the end of the month <laughs> to see if it has if it has affected us all. I mean, we're still in the first half of the month. We've got plenty more to come. But it'd be certainly interesting to see where we're all at come the end of this month. I'm enjoying that, Jez. I mean, the artwork from Chicago, that, uh, get that image. Yeah, I mean, that, that is lovely. It's, it's unavailable. Uh, you know, this would have sold out straight away. Straight away, there was only two hundred and fifty of them made. Ill starred love by Zoltan Simon. Yeah, get it off uh, eBay at some point. <laughs> this party's over. Right. So, social media, lots going on this month. Where as we we keep on celebrating this amazing uh, amazing film, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. It might be a bottom of the path for some of us, but 
we are enjoying it now go and check out our social media facebook instagram and twitter just search for generation skywalker head over to we are generation skywalker facebook page for discussion and there will be chances to win all sorts of items over the course of the month to related to uh, attack of the clones uh, be sure to go and check out our youtube channel nearly all of the shows are getting enhanced um, you can watch the commentary over there and watch along with us uh, make it a bit more enjoyable and see what we say and if you uh, agree with our views head over to www.generationskywalker.com you'll find links to everything including blogs and shows that aren't to do with attack of the clones and of course you can find our podcasts on any podcast platform there is now we did allude during the show that we do have a copy of the art of the attack of the clones craig the author mark vaz cotter is it close mark cotter vaz uh, i'm yoda i'd have shuffled the words around a bit but um we do have that book up for grabs so head over to we are generation skywalker there'll be a post on there and that will explain what you need to do to get into the prize draw the prize draw will probably be drawn just uh two three days after this show goes out because like i said there will be a few prizes over the course of the month relating to attack of the clones so go and check that out be in the hat have a chance of winning that fantastic book so it is goodbye from craig cheerio it's goodbye from jez see you next time and it is goodbye from me and we are generation skywalker <laughs>